everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're going to finish up our series on stories of Jesus by looking at his unexpected message. I didn't mean to, but I've actually taken every single one of these stories from the book of John. And once again, here we are in the book of John today. As I was thinking about how I wanted to finish up this series of Jesus, I was thinking about the unexpected witness, the unexpected servant, and I was like, what is it really that was else unexpected about Jesus? What are some things that were just unusual that people were not expecting, they weren't looking for? And I remembered a story from John chapter six, where Jesus just says some stuff that kind of freaks people out. And as I thought about what he said and how he said it, I also thought about the way we are these days and just the way we want to be known and famous and popular. And I look at social media. I actually just finished watching Netflix, The Social Dilemma documentary. Oh my goodness totally should watch that. I also wrote a blog post about it if you're curious. But as I'm looking at how we humans are and our desire to have this power and fame like we talked about last time, and then I think about who Jesus was and what are some of the things that he said. So we're actually going to be looking at John 6 today, and I'm going to tell you this story and then read part of it as well. So picking up after Jesus feeds the 5,000, remember that story, Jesus miraculously creates extra bread and extra fish enough to feed 5,000 men, not counting women and children, and everybody is in shock and awe. The disciples end up picking up 12 baskets full of leftovers, so none of it makes sense. It's all crazy. And then Jesus gets in, well, his disciples get into a boat and head across the lake of Galilee, and Jesus is going to follow them later. He ends up walking on the water, kind of freaking the disciples out. Pretty cool stuff. So the crowd gets up the next morning and they realize Jesus is gone. There only was one boat that left. And so they're wondering, where could he be? And they start running around the lake to find him. They find Jesus and they start asking him questions. And he calls them out. He's like, you guys don't really care about what I have to say or anything. You just want more food. You know that I fed you. I miraculously provided for you. And that's all you want. You just think that if you follow me, make me king, then I'm going to do all this kind of miraculous stuff for you. And you won't have to think about it or worry about it anymore. And they start talking about bread. And Jesus and these crowds of people are talking about bread. They don't get the fact that he is the Messiah, that he is the son of God. They just, they don't get that. And Jesus says to them, you're looking, not for me, but you're looking for this food. He says, don't work for the food that perishes, but the food that gives eternal life. Well, now they're excited about this. They like the idea of eternal life. And so they're asking him, what do we have to do? What do we have to do to do the works of God? And Jesus says to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. And they want to have a sign again. Well, what are you going to do for us? How are we going to know that this is you? 
and he tells them, I'm the bread of life. And they're very confused. They're like, wait a minute, you're saying you're the bread of life? They start talking about Moses and the manna and the wilderness, how it came down every day and fed them. And Jesus is saying that he's the bread that came down from the Father. He's going to feed the world. And they're like, no, you can't be the bread of life because we know your mom and your dad. Like, you're Jesus, the son of Joseph. You lived in Nazareth. You're not this fancy thing that came down from heaven. And Jesus just keeps talking. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. And so they have these conversations about bread. Jesus is not being particularly clear. He's speaking in parables, in sayings, in pictures, and they're just not getting it. They're just not getting it. And it's like he doesn't even care that he doesn't have this huge following. He's just saying these difficult things. And he doesn't care if they decide to leave. It's it's so backwards compared to how we are. Because we want to make everything easy for people. Let's give them an easy message, something that's like nice and friendly and comfortable. We don't want to give them difficult stuff. And Jesus doesn't even care. He tells them all this stuff. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. Whoever believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. And then it just gets crazier because he tells them, the bread that I'm giving the world is my flesh. He tells them to eat my flesh and drink my blood to have eternal life. And the crowds are just, they just don't know what to do with him. They say, this is hard. This is crazy. Who can understand this? And they are offended. And it says at this point in time, many of them stopped following him. It's like they no longer believed. And so these crowds of people, these disciples that had followed Jesus, like, what are you trying to say? And and they leave. And Jesus turns to his 12 disciples and he says, are you going to go away too? And good old Peter, we talked about him last time, how he's just so bold. He just says whatever he is thinking. Peter jumps in here and he says something so powerful. He says, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus says a lot of things in John. But this section is probably one of the most difficult and offensive passages. And he's he's just saying, hey, I'm it. I'm it. You need me. I am what the Father has provided. I am going to give life. And there's a few things that I want to just point out. Because Jesus does not care about numbers or followers or crowd size or popularity. If he did, he wouldn't be saying this crazy stuff. He would be giving people food and making them like him. He cares about more than just having people think he's awesome. He wants people to understand who he is and to choose to follow him. He was not afraid to say these hard things because he knew that his people, the people the Father had given him, would follow him. Jesus was humble. He was a servant. He was willing to be obscure, unknown, unrecognized, unliked. 
unloved. That is so different from us. Oh my goodness. I think about the time period that Jesus came in the history of the world. I mean, if he had come nowadays, we would have like YouTube people interviewing him. He'd be on the news and he'd have social media accounts and he could be well known. He could be worldwide known. But the God of the universe did not care about that. He chose to come to a time period where it was easy to be obscure. He chose to come to a very small country with a very small people group in it, an unliked people group. He chose to come to that time and that place at just the right time, it says. And that kind of blows me away because it's not at all like what we expect. You would expect a king, a god to come and be known, to put himself out there. Jesus didn't even spend much time in Jerusalem, the big city. He wasn't trying to hang out with people who had power and fame and money or anything. He mostly got in like, arguments with them. And instead, he hung out in the countryside with the humble country people. He picked rejects as his disciples, people that didn't make it in Torah class and had to go back to their father's business of fishing because they weren't good enough to be a rabbi's followers. Jesus was not at all like we would expect him to be. He didn't come to conquer. He didn't come to condemn. He didn't come to judge. He came to serve. He came to die. He's so ironic. I mean, he's God. And he lays all that aside to be like nothing we would ever be by ourselves. The opposite of everything. He comes to show us this inside out, backwards, upside down kingdom and asks us to follow him into it. This awkward conversation that Jesus has with the Jews is honestly still going on, I think, because I look at the whole point of his, I'm the bread of life, eat me, drink me, believe in me, you'll have eternal life. And that awkward, difficult conversation that people walked away from because they couldn't handle it is the exact same awkward, difficult conversation that is smack dab in the middle of Christianity today. Jesus is saying, I'm it. Me. You need me. You need to believe in me. You need to accept me. Absorb me. Recognize how much you need me. I am life. And In our world, even now, here in 2020, we struggle to walk that middle way, that middle awkward road that Jesus walked because we've got sides. Everything has a side and the sides fight each other. And so even within Christianity, we've got religious Christians and their gospel doesn't look like Jesus saying, hey, Absorb me, consume me, I'm it, believe in me. Their gospel is more like do, do, do. Do this, do that. Repent and pray and and give your life to God and do all these things so that God will find you acceptable. But that's that's not the simple gospel of Jesus. But then you swing to the other side, you have progressive Christianity, and they're offended by the fact that Jesus died at all. They don't think there's any such thing as an atonement. Or that his blood was necessary. They think none of it really matters. It's not 
about that at all. Jesus just came to be a good example for us. And that's not what the Bible says. And so here we are in this strange and awkward middle way of being a historical Christian. What does this look like? How can we grab that Bible and literally believe it in the context that it was written? What is Jesus meaning when he tells these people, eat me, drink me, believe in me. I'm the one who holds eternal life. He means just that. Was his death necessary? Yeah, it was. Did he choose it? Yeah, he did. Because of his love for the world. Just as one man, Adam and Eve, brought sin into the world, so by one man's righteous death, the sins of the world were forgiven. But it's not like it just goes out there to everybody. It's not like he's just like, okay, I've forgiven you all. Now you just go and do your thing and everything will be wonderful. That's not what the Bible says either. He lets people walk away, just like he did then. And he also lets people believe and accept him. He speaks the truth for us. He says, I'm it. All you need to do is believe in me. I love the way that Jesus uses the example of Moses in the wilderness. Because these Jews were very familiar with these old stories of the Israelites and Moses wandering in the wilderness. And Jesus explains that the Son of Man is going to be lifted up. And that's going to remind people about the serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness. Moses and the Israelites. God sent a plague and there were snakes that were biting people and killing them. And Moses makes this bronze serpent and he puts it on a pole. And whoever would look at the serpent will be saved and healed. And Jesus is referencing that. He is about to be lifted up on the cross. And to all of us who look to him, recognizing that we cannot do it by ourselves, but that he can and that he did, we will be saved. And salvation is not just about not going to hell. Salvation is about restoration. It's about our relationship with God being restored. It's about our self being restored. And it's about getting eternal life. Eternal life is not just like, oh, I get to live in a cloud like heaven place someday forever and ever and ever. No, eternal life is like the life that is really life. You get life right now, abundant life, because the very spirit of Jesus Christ comes to dwell inside of us, giving us power and love and all of the fruits of the spirit that we wouldn't have by ourselves because we're dead without him. He brings us to life and he allows us to taste what it's going to be to live in eternity forever. We're never going to be perfect here on earth. We're always going to be a sinner. We're always going to have sin that we're dealing with and struggling with. And the closer we get to Jesus, the more sin we're going to see. But the more restoration is possible. As he digs deep into our hearts and as he begins to expose lies that we have believed about ourselves and about him. As he begins to speak truth to our hearts. As he begins to fix those broken places, we will have true life. And so as Peter ends this conversation with Jesus by saying, where else would we go? I want to just encourage you guys. We live in a world where there's lots of new ideas and progressive thought and different people that have come up with different things and other people that are trying to hold you back and drag you down with the law and rules. 
standards and formulas. But Jesus came and he lived and he died and he was crazy. He did not make sense. He came to give us life. And so with Peter, (laughs) I too am going to say, where else would I go? Why am I still a Christian? I get that conversation a lot. Why are you still a Christian? Because where else am I going to go? I have met someone and he's real and he's living and he's amazing. And I am not the same person I used to be. And with Peter, I too have come to believe that he is the Holy One of God who alone holds the words of eternal life. Guys, I want to do a couple of weeks talking about some Bible study methods because I think it's really hard sometimes to understand where to go in the Bible and how to read it. And we touched a little bit on this in season one, but I want to just dig in and just show you some ways that you also can understand how to read the Bible, how to understand the Bible, and why that's important for your life. So we're going to start that series next week. And until then, you know it. Keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.